This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, my sinners? Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, as always, Shane Told, and it is very, very nice to have you on this fine Tuesday. And I got to say, you guys are always getting in touch with me, and I love it. I get so many emails. By the way, let's just throw it out there. WeedSingerSyndrome at gmail.com. I get so many requests for so many guests. And this band today, four years strong, has got to be one of, if not the most, requested guest ever. And yes, it's finally happening. We tried to do this two years ago on Warp Tour. We tried to figure out a time to do it over the phone. But it happened this year on Warp Tour, and I'm so happy to bring it to you. This is a super open, super honest discussion with Dan and Alan. I'm so happy that we finally got it done, and I can't wait for y'all to hear it. Before we get into that, some sad news, very sad news. Kyle Pavoni of We Came as Romans, if you haven't heard, has passed away, and the details are foggy right now, but it is very, very, very sad, and, and he's a former guest of the show, friend of the show, a friend of mine. Uh, all the We Came as Romans guys in Silverstein, we've been very, very tight for years doing so many tours. We brought them out when they were a young band. They returned the favor when they you know, surpassed us and did their big headline tour. We've done Warp Tour together, and we were just in Europe together in April. So uh, very shocking, and uh, I'm at a loss. I know a lot of other people are are struggling as well, and it is very, very sad news. And uh, just want to say, rest in peace, Kyle. You will be missed. As for me, I am taking some well-needed time off the road, but not that long. We are gearing up for another tour. Silverstein is heading over to Europe. 
with our friends in Anti-Flag and Cancer Bats. That will be a lot of fun. And after that, we're doing a 15-year anniversary tour of our first album, When Broken is Easily Fixed, playing the entire record from start to finish. We're going all over the place, and the tickets are selling like freaking hotcakes. I am not just saying that. In fact, we were able to move the Philadelphia room from TLA up to the beautiful Fillmore. So if you're in Philly, that show, well, it was almost sold out, and then they moved it up just in time. So there are tickets available for that, but I don't know how long they're going to last. And shows are are selling like crazy all over the place. So check out When Broken is Easily Fixed. Dot com. You can get all your tickets there, VIP. And of course, we have some great support bands. Our friends in Hawthorne Heights, As Cities Burn, and Capstan will all be performing. It is going to be a great time, not to be missed. Check it out. Again, that link is whenbrokenisearsalyfixed.com. A big shout out to my sinners, members of the Weed Singer Syndrome All Access Club. You know who you are. I know who you are. Just wanted to say hello. If you're interested in more content, more episodes, bonus episodes, more interaction with me, other fans of the show, go check it out. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. That's all I'm going to say about it this week. That is it. Check out that link. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. If you want to help the show, that is the best way to do so. All right, I know you've been waiting for this one for a long time, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation on the Warp Tour with Alan and Dan before you're strong. Check, check, check. It's been a long time coming, but we're finally doing this podcast. I'm here with Dan and Alan of Four Year Strong on the Warp Tour. And for me, weird show because it's our last one. Last ever. one ever? Yep. We're leaving. Yeah, we're leaving. We're in New York. And Tomorrow's and our last one ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Okay, because I was going to ask you about yesterday being in Massachusetts. That must have been. I know you had like. I saw you with like your your kids. And yeah, family, yeah, yep. And that must have been just a surreal, weird experience. How did that feel, knowing it was your last? I mean, your last hometown, and then a couple right. more, and then that's it forever. It, it was pretty weird. Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt pretty cool. Like the show went really well, and yeah. the kids were awesome. So, like in retrospect, I'm like, okay, good. That w- I was saying to him today. I. F- like today and probably tomorrow I kind of feel like it's like the last week of high school like nobody gives a <laughs> shit like we're like yeah, yesterday was the big like the finals and now we're just running out right, the clock you know right, what I mean yeah, yeah. absolutely so, and, yeah, uh, I, yeah I mean I had a great time it was definitely like one of the best shows of the tour yeah it was it was yeah. awesome I mean and Massachusetts is always good I mean I know you guys have like a crazy following I think right. people from Massachusetts Massachusetts yeah. Massachusetts? Yeah. What are they called? Um, I don't know. Mass holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think they really take care of their own. Yeah. Yeah. We felt the love, but you guys have definitely felt the love. So. Yeah. I'm being from Massachusetts, I mean, it, it's already a very strong musical scene. I mean, like yeah. so many bands came out of Massachusetts and, you know, it's just such a musical area i mean you got berkeley and boston and like even like not even like scene related it's just a big musical place and and i just think that you know 
when we came out and we really kind of trumpeted that we were from Massachusetts, like it's something that and we really punished the hell out of playing Massachusetts. Yeah, when, right. we, when we were first starting, of course, like, yeah, yeah. Just and every and possible place. It's you know, it's just kind of we were embraced and they just have never let go, and it's awesome. Now, a lot of bands on this tour, and I'm sure it's been happening since the first date, and I wasn't on the first date. But um, and I'm sorry, this this devil with the penis in your van is like, or your sorry, yep. in your bandwagon is. He like also has all very of, distracting. He also has all of our hospital wristbands from various tours because yeah. he always goes right back in that I really spot wish when I we get was back on, on. But it's literally like a, the devil is jerking off on us. It's, yeah, it's yeah. quite. This this it's is from something. when when Trojan used to come out on Warp Tour and teach you how to put <laughs> condoms Steve on. Yeah, this Trojan is Trojan Steve. Steve's. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a styrofoam. Doohickey. Anyways, sorry, yeah. I had to say something. Yeah. Early on the best part is that the head is. Is uh, by us custom painted pink. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good. Good work there. <laughs> no, I'll take a picture of this. Remind me. I'll put it on the Instagram. So yeah. You can know how distracting yeah. this was for me. Um, but a lot of bands on this tour, you know, since day one, I'm sure they're like, it's the last. Like even the first date of this tour, they're like, it's yeah. the last Warp tour. We're gonna, you know, thanks to Kevin yeah. Lyman. Were you guys really like kind of harping on that the whole time, knowing it was the last one? Because it is the last one for every person at the R- show, right? But I'm sure now you're starting to feel the emotion. And for me today, I really felt like it, I really I, did feel. Well, like we it. definitely had felt vibe yesterday. More I felt it a lot yesterday, show. and also I think we haven't been one of the bands that's been like, this is it. Like we're, you know, we're done after this, just because we've done it a lot of times, and it still feels. Like it always has yeah. felt to yeah. me. Yeah. So it's not really, it hasn't really felt like the end yet to me. But right. after yesterday and uh, like my daughters came out and uh, it was the first time my youngest daughter had seen our band play. How old are your daughters? So uh, my oldest, Abigail, is four and then my youngest, Eleanor, is two. And uh, Ellie, Eleanor, fell asleep like three songs <laughs> into the set, which was awesome. Um, but it was the first time she had seen me play and my other daughter had only seen us play one other time and that was also at Warp Tour and it was just that was kind of like a thing that was like wow it's crazy that like they've only both seen me play one time each and it's been on this tour because I played wow. before their bedtime of course, so, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah I There's think that was like a big this, thing it seems more conducive I, I, I more conducive to a family environment? Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. But for some reason, maybe it's just because it's during the day. Yeah, my, my favorite yeah. quote from my daughter yesterday is like, "Daddy, why does that girl have no shirt on?" And I'm like, "I have no idea. I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> you just walking yeah. around with no clothes on. Yeah, yeah it's like the, the first show I ever went to was um, was with it was Metallica. It was Metallica. Uh, that's a, that's a great show. first show. Yeah, Metallica, Danzig, and Suicidal Tendencies. Wow. wow. So the first band I ever saw was Suicidal Tendencies. That's awesome. That's great. And uh, I was uh, my older sister, is seven years older than me, took me to the show, and she said to me, "You're gonna see some stuff, and you're gonna smell some stuff." <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah. was 12, 11, yeah. 12, and you know, and I can't even imagine a you know four year old like, "What do you say?" Like, yeah. <laughs> she was really blown away by all the different colored hair. Like right. she kept like looking for different colors. She's like, "Oh, there's a green one." She was like collecting Pokemon to her. She was like, "Oh, a purple one, a pink one." Yeah, so that's great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you guys are both family men. It's 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 cool. I know you you run a a Christmas tree farm with I, your wife. I do, which is adorable. <laughs> um, how is yeah. that balance? You know, between doing what we do, being on the road, and just kind of taking care of of your family and your children and everything. I don't like. I'm not married. I don't have any kids, so. I don't have any kids, but I mean, honestly, I think you have a lot more flexibility in this type of job, even mm-hmm. though at some at times you don't have any flexibility at all. But in a way, 
because you kind of work at your own on your own schedule, you can have a lot of stuff going on on the side. I feel like right. Um, well, especially seasonal stuff for you, right? Like that's you, right. true. And that's, you know that's, that's, like, that's the genius of what you're around, doing with the, with the farm. Anyway. Is, it, it's very that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we do it. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, it. I remember I was having a conversation with Buddy from Census Fail, and he's like, well, he's like, well, yeah, it sucks. Like I go away for six weeks, but when I'm home, I'm like home. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, I don't exactly because like let's be honest, if and I know you guys went through a period where people thought your, your band was breaking up. Yeah, well, we and basically did. Yeah, we were oh, okay. pretty close. It was. Uh, okay. uh, it wasn't like an announced. Kind of like we didn't talk about it. We weren't like, hey, let's break up. We just kind of we know, got home from a tour. Call. Yeah, it was like, all right, we might as well just break up then. Yeah, but it was kind of just like a, all right, well, fuck you. Yeah, like, we were just grumpy at each yeah. other for a while, and and what okay, we needed, so, what we so needed it was, was, it was your your disagreement. You two, you yeah, two, I mean, it was kind of everybody. yeah, it was everybody. We just needed we time off. We just tore yeah. ourselves into the ground, and and we were just with each other. And I mean, I've said it a million times. When you're in a band with somebody, it's like being married. But you don't get to have sex, <laughs> so it's like a nightmare. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 all the worst things and none of the good stuff. But yeah. you know, it's uh, we. I think taking the time off was exactly what we needed because in that time that we took, I think we all did the exact amount of growing up that we needed to do yeah, to be yeah. able to go back and look at what we've been doing and and look at, you know, kind of retrospectively look at everything and and then come back and be like, all right. I'm down if you are, and everybody was. So, um, I think we just kind of like we didn't break up, but like you know, we we weren't for for all you know for all purposes. We did break up because we weren't playing together. We weren't really talking or no doing anything. But I think it was kind of a a really good way to just get our our management and our booking agents to be like, oh, you know, let's just leave them alone for a little while. <laughs> let's just hopefully they, yeah. they they can figure it out. Right, and that's well, kind of what we did. I feel like. I feel like you guys had a lot of pressure on you being, you know, you guys came up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Your first album had a lot of success, and it's still an album that you guys still celebrate, yep. and your fans we love it. We just did the 10-year anniversary and last year. And your second record, and I mean, and of course, you, you were also like on, you know, Pete Wentz's label. Yeah, yeah. How was that so. working? It really I wasn't. I feel like that's a whole thing. It wasn't know? a thing. That's, that's, okay. the, it was, because we were, so we were on I Surrender Records is what Rise or Die came out on, and then uh, we got signed to uh, Universal Motown. Um to do our um, enemy of the world, yes. and basically, we felt we we didn't want to leave. I surrender in the dust because they they had kind of been the label that found us, put in all this work, and you know. And Rob Hit is the guy who owns I surrender. He played drums in that band Midtown. Um, yeah. He was just awesome. He was just and he was our after being on his label was our manager. He was our manager for a while, and uh, so we didn't want to leave him in the dust. So. We kind of like worked out with them that we could be on both labels, and then when we went to our management company, which was Crush, they also, you know, with Pete's uh, label was kind of like all in house, and they were just like, "Listen, if we, if you guys are on this label too, we can get a lot more like work done easier." We're, and they're like, "So, so can we just put the label on your thing?" And we're like, "Yeah, I don't care. Like, we never signed anything." It was more or less they just slapped it was like, the logo right. on the yeah. back of okay. the album. But, but it's still, I mean, uh, there, obviously there was some pressure yeah. still with these people involved, and crush management like, was is was I don't know a big deal. Yeah, to yeah. Be on bigger that, now, I think. bigger now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's you know so there was all these these things coming. Do you think? You know, and I know you, there was turmoil with your your old keyboard player. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, you had to fire him. 
there's just it seemed like there's a lot of pressure, and you put out a record, people like your fans. It's like different. Yep. It was a lot that, of pressure, but it was also contributed, right? Yeah, it was pressure, but I don't know if I would describe it as pressure, but it was more so just like a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. like well, I just like yeah. the timing in which we decided to part ways with our keyboard player and put out a record that was very different and yeah. like. Um, also not 100 percent on a new. It yeah. came out on a different label because our Universal Motown folded while we were making the record, yeah. and we got picked right. up by right. uh, their sister label, Universal Republic. Which, so. which right off the bat was a nightmare because even while we were in the studio, they were basically like, "We're going to put this record out, and then you're done." Like we're not gonna. So yeah, they, we knew they weren't gonna put a lot into the record. Yeah, it's they were terrible. just gonna. It's and, a you know, so to be. it stunk because like before the record came out, we all kind of knew like. This isn't gonna do much because the label's not gonna push well, cause, it. Well, because everyone that was on Universal Motown was in limbo of either getting dropped or getting picked up by the sister label, and we were right. like crossing our fingers that we would get dropped because we had a two <laughs> album deal. Yeah, we would have got like a payout, but right. they were like, "Oh, you're already halfway th- making through, but through but making the record and totally finish it and." Just in case, just in case they sell a million albums, and if yeah. they don't, we'll drop them. Yeah, of course. And that's exactly what happened. But literally, I think it was two months after the record. But came we're out. talking yeah. about what year is this? Two thousand. That was two thousand eleven. Right. And in two thousand eleven, there's no way like a punk band is selling a million records. No. Yeah, no. So it was. That's the thing. Like they'll sign. Those labels were trying to sign bands to deals that they were doing in like two thousand three, two thousand four, when bands were literally like exactly. actually selling. Yeah, they were, they were throwing shit at a wall and yeah. see what sticks. And then and yeah. then now sure. it's like you, you and guys come not. around and you you guys probably not going to get radio play. Yeah, no. And, and, and like if you don't, that's okay on an indie label. Yeah. If you don't on a major label, it's like you failed. The fucking world. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So and that's that, that's a big thing. So I mean, I'm just saying, all these things are. Yeah. That's it was a perfect a lot storm for sure. Pressure than. Uh, I mean, a band on, I don't know, pick a label, Equal Vision or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They still are on for Warped sure. Tour and they're still doing great, but they don't have that kind of pressure Yeah, because you I, don't have these suits and yeah. all these people trying to keep their jobs with this high overhead right. in yep. some office, you know, I've in New York City. I've always heard that, like, I've heard people, I don't have any experience with major labels other than the very, yeah. actually, between the two major labels around, Universal Motown and Universal Republic, I had a great experience and a freaking terrible experience so yeah i think we saw both Within sides a of it. two year span so it's kind of right, crazy right. like yeah. um but i think what people say and i feel like it's kind of true that major labels what they don't have what they don't do what they're not good at is artist development right it's like they just hope that something magic happens and when it doesn't they're like all right next all right next all right yeah. next and that's what indie labels do. They like find something that they like that they think people will like, and they help make it, yep, bigger and better. Totally. And and they they run it into the ground, even if it takes five or six. Yeah. Years. yeah. Oh yeah. And that does. Yeah. Happen. Records get worse and worse. <laughs> that and does sell less and less. Yep. But they're like, we still love you guys. Yeah. You know, you know who's a great <laughs> example of that? Because we toured with them for so many years um, before they like really like blew up. Was freaking Pierce the Veil. Totally. Like they were around forever. What a great example. And they were they're such great guys and they great musicians and they worked their ass off for years and years and years. And it just all of a sudden out of nowhere they just skyrocketed. Out of nowhere. And yeah. you know what's funny well, is I, that I don't want to say out of nowhere. Like, they they yeah, worked their They were beating the ground for a long time, but but, but, but yeah. you know, for 
Oh, I remember that first record coming out on Equal Vision and just thinking like, this band's awesome. Like this yeah. is really really good. This band's going to be big, and then they just weren't. And then their second record came out, and it was like. Just kind of like, you know, plateauing. Yeah, it was, but it was steady. A like, little bit. And like then we I think peers. they switched labels, right? And not to throw Equal Vision under the bus, I think they went to Fearless. Yeah. And we took them on a tour, and it was it was a B-market tour, and it was, it was we were headlining, and it was uh, Miss May I and Pierce Savelle, and they were like flip-flopping the yep, direct yep, support. Yep. And on that tour, we started seeing people, like people were coming out, and it was like they were coming out like making signs. Okay. You know, yeah. and making t-shirts that <laughs> yep. said Pierce the Veil and uh, like, will yeah. you marry me, Vic? And like, yeah. I was like, okay, something's happening. Yep. And like six months later, biggest band in the scene. Yeah. Whatever. And you're and you're right. It was like, it's like they just put in the hard work and eventually people caught on. Yeah. Yeah. We and did kudos for to those labels. They, for they give me hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's still coming. Yeah. It's still coming. Yeah. One of these I days, mean, I also will have as many Instagram followers as Vic. Yeah, geez, what's he got? He's got to have. A he's got over a million for sure. Well over a million. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about. We, we talked a little bit of Massachusetts, and I didn't tell the story I was going to tell about my oh, yeah. first Warp tour, which I'll I'll just throw in right now as we're going to talk about Worcester and where you guys grew up. But uh, so we had put out our first record in May of two thousand three, mm-hmm. and we weren't like a cool band, you know. We were on Victory Records, which is always a stigma there. <laughs> <laughs> and we came. Are you still we, on Victory tr- Records? Uh, we're, we are not. Oh, nice. <laughs> we did four records though, uh, but we yeah, it was it was a ton. <laughs> so we came and we we got off, we got asked to play this one show, one off on the Vans Warp Tour in in Massachusetts, Brockton, Massachusetts. Yep. And it was on the hardcore stage. Yeah. And we we didn't know what that was. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Who They're else was have on the hardcore on stage? It. I remember the Red Chord. Okay. I remember Nora. Okay. Nora. Um, Jeez. Wow. Uh, I want to say maybe Hope's Fall, but I, I can't. Sure. I, I can't recall. They just put out a new record. And yep. uh, they did. They did. I'm supposed to have Jay on the podcast, actually. A- anyway, so we get there, and <laughs> I remember rolling up, and they go, are you guys arms bent back? This was this new Truskill signing. Yeah. Sure, no one remembers them. I don't. And we're like, no, we're Silverstein. And they're like, oh. Yeah, park way, just park way back there. (laughs) uh, Okay, thanks. So this, I'll never forget this, like, guy comes over. It's like hardcore guy, kind of scary. He's like, so um, you guys are playing first. I'm like, "Uh, well, we were told we were supposed to play at, like, 2.30. No, you guys are playing first, which is, like, looks at his watch, like, now. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. So we, this is funny, too, because we didn't have a tent. Sure, yeah. We didn't have a table. Yeah. We we literally sold shirts on the grass with our van bench seat for chairs. That's awesome. Nice. That's what we did. And uh, so we go and we're setting up and the doors aren't open and playing on this like sort of makeshift shitty stage that's not on the schedule or anything. Yep. It's just in the corner. But it was right by where they let people in. Okay. So they let all these so they, they start letting people in at like at the, when the doors opened, like, you know, let's say it was eleven or twelve o'clock and they wouldn't let them all the way in because the show wasn't ready. Oh, okay, yeah. So 100%. they let them into this sort of waiting area where the only thing going on was us playing on that stage. Oh, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. We must have played to, like like today. It was yeah. like today. Yeah. yeah. Because all these people that came early, they let in. It, like It was it was crazy. It was the most people we'd, we'd ever played for for years after that. Yeah. And that's it was awesome. great. It was a great show. That's awesome. Off to and a great come start. Off, and then I think I don't remember the band after us. Maybe it was Arms Bend Back. They played next, and there was like I counted, 
seven kids watching. <laughs> and we were like, all right, well, that's yeah. what you get for just you shutting your mouth yeah. and being like not fighting. And be like, all right, sure, like. We're just, you know, new new people. That's awesome. So that man. was our first in Massachusetts, two thousand. We actually have a similar story to that. We're on our first full warp tour. So we did our first show in two thousand seven on warp tour. We played just in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, but then State. in two thousand eight we did the whole tour. We did the first two weeks of it on this little tent called the Playwork Productions tent, which is similar to like the Transform tent. Like it's kind of just yeah. like a white tent. It right. did have a stage. It did have a stage. It had it like was, a maybe maybe a foot high stage. Yeah, like but it was probably not. Was it not affiliated with Warped Tour? Like you no. weren't on the big schedule. No, no, no not at and all. And yeah. like, so no one really knew exactly. They'd have to just walk around the whole park so to try to find. We played. We the played stage. that stage for two weeks, and then the rest. But that of was the, right after. That what? was like the summer after the first summer after our first record, Rise of Die Trying, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So it was like already doing pretty well at the time. So the two weeks were like pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> right. we did we did. Those two weeks, and then the after that, we were on uh, Smart Punk for the rest of it, yeah. which was um, like the which we, like so the we were really excited stage. to do that. This is two thousand eight. Okay, okay. And so we did. Um, you know, we're doing the the small little tent thing, and then in Detroit, it was uh, I think maybe like a week into the tour or something. We were the last band on that stage, but also the last band playing that day. Like after main stage was done. After everything, so I remember our, uh, All American Rejects was playing. Oh no, All American Rejects played, and then it was uh, like the something something corporate, but the, the, oh, the Jack's the, mannequin, yeah, Jack's mannequin um, was playing while we were setting up, and then we played like one song, and after we we played the one song, he finished, and as we were playing, everyone had to walk by the stage to get out, right? And it was and every, everyone just all of decided to just stop, decided to stop and yeah. stay and watch well, the band. Because I think it was also because. Like, for some reason, the shows at that tent were just absolutely crazy. Like, well, the kids that were showing up that knew our band were you yeah know, going like, off like yeah. it was like a four year show. But all these kids like, stopped, and I remember that's when we met all the security that works for the tour. We still know them to this day because that when they were like, "All right, <laughs> we're gonna to start sending over, people yeah. over to this tent." Yeah, they'll, they'll like yeah, remember that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because they they still talk about like every day that yeah. year that like. They'd never have to go to those other tents no. for any reason. Yeah. But and it's, every day we were on they that had to tent. Pull people they had off to main. find out what time we were playing first thing in the morning so that they make sure they had enough security at the stage because there was no barricade. Sure. Yeah. Of course. I'm surprised they didn't move you. It happened to us too. And I think it was '04. We, we did and we were on. Well, it was called the Kevin Says stage, but oh, not yeah. the big Kevin Says. Right. Stage. Right. Right. It was in. It was in like Sponsor World. So, like, you have all the merch tents, yeah. and then okay. the sponsors, like, fucking Fuse or Roadrunner Records or whatever, you have these tents. So, it was in one of the bigger tents, but yeah. still a tent yeah. in the merch. So, people are just walking by trying to get free stickers. Yeah. yeah. There's a band playing. Yeah. And we had, and it happened to us where we, we played, the, we had a lot of people come over, and they couldn't, because there's no, it was, like, on the ground. Yeah. So, I remember I was, I climbed up on the speaker so people could kind of see. Yeah. And at the end, I, like, jumped off the speaker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they they came over after they came came to our bus, and they said, uh, "I thought we were in trouble. I thought it was like I was getting in trouble for jumping off the speaker." Yeah. And they're like, "We just want to let you know, you're never playing that stage again. You're on like the Volcom stage now. Like, oh, the, cool! The, like, nice. That's awesome. Real stage." And that was like, I've and think in my career I've never like been happier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've never felt like redemption or yep. like oh my god like holy shit people actually like my band and yeah. we're actually like you know it and was you're like seeing people results. 
when do you when did you when did it hit you that you like made it and I'm like ah maybe that moment yeah you know that's awesome so so um anyways we've talked so much this is great how it's jumped we, around I've really enjoyed it but yeah. we have another weird story okay, actually okay. about the very first warp tour we ever played which was the one day in Massachusetts in 2007 we got in a little fender bender like while we were like trying to figure out where to park and everything in our van and the person we hit our our bass player's name is Joe I got a beer over there actually our bass player's name is Joe Weiss Uh, oh yeah and the person we hit when we like exchanged information also Joe Weiss (laughs) (laughs) and I thought that was and was also a fan of the band so he was like ah don't worry about it yeah we were like okay good (laughs) (laughs) we don't have any money anyway so (laughs) barking up the wrong tree yeah jeez yeah that happened to me once I I've I've had a few. I should talk about it. They're, they're, not, they're <laughs> not stories I want people to know. I regret yeah, some We got things. some of those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk Driving about it around after the corner we shut of New York the City with the trailer. Oops! Didn't you do that in New York City? Do didn't what? You cli- didn't you clip somebody with with uh, the? Oh, it was the van. It was just the van. The, the no trailer the van. You know, like the the on the passenger vans. There's like the hinge kind of like sticks out on the oh, on yeah, the side yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It wasn't a slider. It was a double door. The hinge like sticks out like this. I like t- was taking a corner and, or I forget exactly what happened, but somehow that that's like, little that's thing like a millimeter, dude. No, dude, it sticks out pretty far. Oh, does it? Okay, yeah. like an inch though. Still, yeah, like an inch. But yeah. somehow that inch just got shoved into an Escalade <laughs> and just like tore a huge hole in it. And what did you do? Um, pulled over, exchanged information, oh, and the good. woman was super nice, and we never heard anything about it. Yeah, like she wow. never reached out. She never wow. reached out to our insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. No, I one time had a guy was driving New York City and like, see, that's the thing when you when you first tour New York City and you're in a van, it's the biggest pain in the fucking ass. You're like, yeah. hate this place. Oh, I'm never gonna come it's a nightmare. Back. Now I love it because I don't have to worry about parking. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember literally almost running over a pedestrian because I wasn't paying attention. And him trying to punch me <laughs> through the window while I was driving. Nice. <laughs> so that that's happened. good. That's but, great. Um, uh, anyways, dude. So uh, let's let's go back. I know we've already been talking for twenty four minutes, but the um, the beginnings of the band and you guys are Pride Massachusettsians, <laughs> and uh, I'm just gonna say that's what it is. Yep. From Worcester, and Worcester is a pretty cool place because it's like as blue collar as it gets. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's becoming a lot cooler. It is. Hipper. It's com- becoming kind of hipster now. Yeah, yeah it is. But it definitely but, wasn't back then. Growing up, you know, it was like this real American city, and but also a place that has had and has nice. Uh, it's okay. It's just a water. Knocked water. water. Ha- had and has had and has like an incredible scene. Yeah, mostly due to the fact that the venue, the Palladium, is there. Yep. Yep. And a venue that is world famous, and I'm sure a lot of people, even outside, you know, the tri-state area, call it what, or New England, whatever, know about it. I remember going there in like 2001 for New England Metal and Hardcore Festival, yep, of like course. before Still I happens. was ever on tour. So it's a famous place. So what was it like growing up there? Like, you can start with kind of your family lives and stuff, but then how there was this kind of amazing, you know, community of of underground music. Well, the plating was always freaking the best because. Um, at the time when we were like first starting to see shows, 
bands played there like more bands that we wanted to see anyway more were playing Boston. more than Boston because Boston didn't have any all ages venues. Yeah. At the time they just had like Axis and Avalon and Paradise and at the time they were all eighteen the plus. ICC Church plus. I think was a thing yeah. back then. I don't know about way back then. That was me. I think it, I think might it have might have been. been, but that also Boston and Worcester scenes were so separated. Really? Yeah. yeah. There wasn't like there were like Worcester kids or like Central Mass kids and like I never and went were, like, to Boston. Yeah, I never went to Boston. Really? Well, I did a couple times. I never but only for like really special shows um, and they're always the most terrifying ones. Yeah, and I went to my first <laughs> shows ever at the Palladium. Like I went with my dad to see BB King. That's the first live what band? Uh BB King. Oh, wow. That was the first live music experience I ever had uh, when I was very young. And the very next thing was Saves the Day in the same room. Crazy. Saves the Day. I think it was Saves the Day, Get Up Kids, the, the Anniversary. The Vagrant Tour. And dashboard Hot Rod opened. Circuit. Or Dashboard. Some combination of those bands. I yeah. don't remember which one. I remember Dashboard opened. Yeah. that was the first time I saw Dashboard. And, and I uh, I bought the that Swiss Army, Swiss Army, Swiss Romance. Army Romance CD nice. that day. <laughs> There's only two bands that I've ever, like... That I I remember being like I gotta go buy this CD and one was Dashboard and the main reason why I bought it is because I liked it and he was getting booed like crazy <laughs> and wow. I was like I gotta get this guy's CD so I bought that CD and then the only other time I've done that is uh, first time I saw the Hope Conspiracy I bought their like demo crazy yeah so the first time I saw I love these tangents uh, the first time I saw Dashboard Confessional we had this real like it was just a hall in in my suburban Toronto town this mm-hmm. was in Oakville, Ontario, called the Pine Room. I know Oakville. We had a promoter that was, um, like, he just, he just I don't know, he was kind of in the scene, and we get, like, bands, we get, like, some pretty good bands. I remember we had, like, Mike Piebald and Small Brown Bunk, uh, Small Brown Bike play the show one That's time. That's cool. Nice. And uh, we had, like, 18 Divisions and Throwdown come. Like, this nice. is just in this little hall. Yeah. Um, and we did this festival. I don't say what we, he did it. I was just a kid, but it was called, um, like, we had a, it had a great name I forget now it escapes me it doesn't matter we had this festival and I think it was Midtown okay. was playing or headlining it or one of the top bands and their merch guy had this acoustic thing and asked the promoter my friend Eric Hoyback if he could play he was like oh it's like open or something he's like okay so it was Dashboard Confessional nice. that's cool so this guy went up there and I remember like seeing him play being like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, like this is guy's got some pipes. Yeah, <laughs> and then him playing, and it was like the talk of the town. And I don't even know, like, no one knew who he was yet. Yeah, and um, the funniest part of part of it to me was, I guess, after the show was like all done and everything, Chris Caraba came up to him and was like, "Hey, man, um, can I can I get up get paid?" He's like, what? No, you like just asked. You asked to play. He's like, he's like, oh, well, just like I don't know, like some like I don't know, like some, like gas money or something. He's like, you're riding with Midtown. Like, no, <laughs> that's no. right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Funny he had the nerve to ask, but uh, yeah. So I like so that. I, that's good. That's right. Yeah. So m- with me, I I grew up uh, like the first shows that I went to. I actually hadn't gone to the Palladium. Uh, there was a place called the Espresso Bar in Worcester. Um, that I went to like my first like shows, um, like scene shows. Um, my first one was like Converge, Caven, One oh, King nice. Down, and One King Down's Forty Days today. Rain. Yeah, One King Down I know. Today is playing today. This is hardcore. I know it's our, crazy. Our friend Moose 
he's a driver went down yep. to Philly. He was trying to get me to go, but we played too late, so I couldn't go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember when that place got shut down and sh- and like the you know hardcore shows were getting moved to the Palladium. I remember like my little core friends were all kind of like grumpy about it like before we went there we're like ah oh, this place isn't going to be as good as this place was and then we went and we're like oh this place is awesome it sounds good that's amazing cool um but yeah i i went to my first palladium show the reason why i didn't know that is because i didn't know there was an upstairs venue that was smaller yeah so the first time i went to the palladium actually i went with like my sister um when i was like younger to see everclear <laughs> marcy playground oh, and fastball and the I sex went and candy band. Yeah, and that was the <laughs> first time I that was the first time I went to the Palladium, and it was like this giant, like huge room. Yeah. So then when they're like, "Oh, like the random little small hardcore shows moving," I'm like, "That's gonna suck. The stage is like, to me, I'm like, it's like eight feet tall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's gonna." But then we we went to the upstairs, and I was like, "Oh, this place is actually kind of cool." Um, and I actually ended up in high school. I ended up working at the Palladium for like, I don't know, I don't know, six months or so, just like being a bouncer. Oh wow! Because I like. Yeah, kind of got in trouble there too many uh-huh. times. They're like, either you can't come anymore or you have to work here. And I was like, okay, I'll work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's funny. Um, what were you guys like in high school? Um, you know, bringing it up, were you guys like kind of regular guys? Were you into sports? Oh no, uh, no, we were, were you, in this band. No, yeah, you we were, were just, in this band. So we're, you were like the just the music kids. Everybody yeah, knew I was you like, the, like, I was like the, the fucking emo king dude <laughs> yeah you're pretty cool i was awful you had the the hair swoop I stuff guess, yeah. so you guys went to high school together yeah, yeah. so you guys have known, yeah. known each other and been friends for a very long yeah, time we've yep. been a band since i was a freshman in high school yeah That's we start crazy. we started we four years strong four, yep. was, and it was called four in years 2001 strong. yeah there must be some very embarrassing oh there are some God, terrible songs and people like random kids would be like oh play this song and I'm like you need to cut that out do you, do you wish you changed your name at some point absolutely totally I mean also because it's a terrible name <laughs> but at some point like it's not but I, I have no idea what it could possibly mean or, or well anything. we didn't either I mean like it's it. there's a get up kid lyric on four minute mile that's five years strong and we're like let's just take that but we can't want to steal it so let's just change the number to four that's where it came from 100% <laughs> that's, that's the real story that's, that's the 2001 freshman in high school naming a band Perfect. story love that Um, and it just kind of stuck and uh but I mean, I, I've compared it to in, in the past. Like people are like, oh, like we want you to play your older songs. I'm like, that's like you going up to like somebody who's like this famous painter and being like, I liked it when you were like four years old and painted little red houses with a sun in the sky and that's, random trees. And I'm like, you were not wrong. That's like actually a great analogy. You know what I mean? And I was like, and I want you to paint stuff like that again. It's like, what? Well, that's not. I, I physically can't do that anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. <clears throat> but there's a and there's a not a fine line. A, a major difference between that and somebody being like hey you know your first major label record and you guys and some bands like oh god we hate that stuff like we've retired those songs i always yeah. hate when bands do that yeah. i hate that too it's like yeah but i i know what you're saying like it's like a fine line but it's also not a fine line because mm-hmm. like there are stuff that we feel like we've grown out of you know songs we don't really love to play but to me all it comes down to is if the crowd actually wants to hear it I want to play it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's those songs that one kid on one Instagram kid on, says, "Hey, yeah. play this song," and you're like, "If I play that song, you're the only one yeah. in the room who's going to know that song." And everyone else is just going to be like, "What is this?" And then they'll wait for because the next song and start going crazy. Because again. we've done it before. Yeah, we've been like, yep. you know what? We're playing at the the Worcester Holiday Show this year. We're going to break out some really old B-side songs for like you know the kids who have been there forever. And then we play it, and you see like this one guy in the balcony freaking Woo! out, and like six kids <laughs> being like, "Yeah." 
<laughs> you know, everybody else is like, Everyone's I don't like, know the oh, song. Shit, this is a great time to take a piss. And exactly. Get a beer. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. Go get a beer. No. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then there's some stuff that like I don't even consider to be the same band. Like, like you know, we started oh, yeah. so young, and we we basically, other than the name and the people. We were different bands, like when we first started. I mean, just like every other kid, you're just like, I want to be a band that sounds like this band today, and I want to be in a band that sounds like this band today. So like we have, you know? like our very early stuff was like very like for this seems forever. Yeah. Slash like I don't like, know. Lots of Chris Carabo love today. Huh? Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. That's true. Well, that, anyway. the moon is down. I mean, that's, yeah. Oh my god, that that's a great stuff. record. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the other reason why I bought Summer Romance because I knew fully down. Fully down. Uh, wow. Boop. Uh, for the seems forever. <laughs> of course. So, what did happened. you guys feel? I guess this is a good, 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 a good. This is a good question. I guess because you guys have been together for so long, and obviously there needs to be a certain alignment with with you guys in terms of like where you want to take your direction of your lives. Right. Because you're 14 years old or whatever in in high school, and things get you get better or you know um, who's a better guitar player by the way. <laughs> I don't know. You guys argue about it? You're both really no. good. No. Depends who you ask. Yeah. Okay. I mean like we, we don't we don't really do the like lead rhythm thing. We just switch I off. F- like no, I, honestly, know, I know, that's why I'm wondering yeah. if like if honestly, there's ever like when you're in the studio and I, again we're kinda of off solve and change, but when you're in the studio it's like, Hey man, like or is it kinda of like you just no, play I, what you write? Honestly yeah. I'd say we're like pretty neck and neck. Yeah. Like there's nothing that I can do that he can't do, or he. So you guys can watch do the same John Petrucci videos? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we just. I we mean, just we we basically kind of started together. Yeah, started together and have been together. Cool. I, well, that's I, that's the thing, and it's like a beautiful, uh, you know, marriage, uh, non-sexual marriage you guys have. <laughs> yeah. But at what point yeah. did you did you decide <laughs> wherever it was like, okay, we're actually gonna fucking take this seriously. We are going to write good songs. We are going to... We're still working on that part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of remember. Like, what was it? Like, did you guys go to college? I guess not. No, no, no so we didn't. So was there a no, I missed- conversation of like, okay, this is the point where we're going to have to like go off and do real like... Well, we like, kind like of shit. like from the bat, from, from like right from the get-go, we're kind of all in. Even when it wasn't, you know, we were still kids and didn't have the option of being all in because we had to be in school. Yeah. Any time that wasn't, you know... We weren't together. I mean, we were, we practiced every single day. When yeah. we were in high school, that was like the thing. We're like, you go to school, and everybody would walk to my parents' house. Oh, your poor and we parents. And we would play together every single day, and we would just practice for hours and hours. And yeah, everyone If we weren't practicing, a- we were working on logos, or, you know, just like every other right. band. But I remember the first time uh, that we were in, because we used to do this it's a really silly thing, because we never really had a singer when we were in... Like when we first started, we were always yeah. looking for a singer because Al and I were just guitar players. Yes, we were always looking for a singer. We would try out people. We get this guy that's like a friend, and yeah, be like, "Don't wear such baggy it's pants." Not, and then, and then not, we would. It, it was never like, "Hey, this guy can sing." It's like, "Hey, here's a guy." Yeah, yeah. Let's and who's willing to do band. this? And uh, so I remember um, we made this decision where we we're like, "All right, Alan is going to sing, and we're going to get another guitar player." And then we did that for a while, and then I remember we so I we, we had this guy player. come who like tried out, and we were like, "All right, we're going to show you some songs. Alan's going to play on the guitar. You can watch it, and then you know we'll see if you can. We'll try to teach you and see if you can play it." So then we played the song, and I remember he was over and he looked at me. He goes, "Why are you looking for another guitar player? Why don't you just both sing and play guitar?" And we we're like, 
I guess we could try was it, is that. that. Is that just like the hardcore mentality that you need to be a five piece? And you have like yeah, a I think that, yeah, like a front we, man. Like yeah, we just like style we, hardcore. Yeah, and yeah. none of us were really like we never had the like aspiration to be a singer. We had the aspiration to be like you know rock guitar god you know what's guy. Funny, you know, man, and, and and I've said this so many times, but I think I've done 140 episodes of the show, mm-hmm. and like 120 of them, the f- singers I talk to. Never wanted to be a singer and still don't even think they're singers. Yeah. Right. Still feel like they're guitar players or drummers and I just... Oh, like I'm definitely Tyler, a guitar player even first. Tyler yeah. Carter. Yeah. I talked to him the other day. He's an old buddy of mine. Yeah. He's a great like, singer, like almost like an R&B guy at this point. He's still like, well, I'm a drummer, you know? Right. Yeah. You're a fucking drummer. Yeah. But it's so funny how, how that's just the way it works. Like, yeah. you're the only guy in the tune that... Uh, sorry, you're the... You're the only guy in the room that can carry a tune. Right. Default to singer. Luckily, well, it's funny you guys have two that were pretty we were we we were well, always the, like the first really time, into vocals. Well, the first time we ever actually played ju- the two of us was because we had no other choice, and it was because we had pra- band practice the morning of a show, a local show, and the guy we had playing guitar oh, yeah. in the middle of practice literally put his guitar on the ground, walked out the door, <laughs> and we didn't see him for years. Didn't see him again. <laughs> We didn't see for and years until so like two years later. I was like, show. "Can I get my guitar back?" He's like, "Play the show." We wrote the songs, so we knew them, yeah. and we just like made it work. And then from then on, we we're just like, ah, "I guess, yeah, I guess that'll do." That's funny. That reminds me of a quick story too. Like, we had this. We like borrowed this guy's like 412 cabinet, like a Marshall 412 or something. Yeah. Brought it over. It was like brand new because he was like we were kids. We never toured. Yeah. And then we did something like hear from the guy. We took it on tour for like five years, no case, completely destroyed. Yeah, calls calls us up one day. Uh, you guys still have that Marshall nineteen sixty B cap? Yeah, yeah. We're like, uh, yeah, it's just like <laughs> destroyed, the ripped yeah, off, like squatters' rights. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, but you funny. know what's also interesting? And I have you know, you met my best friend the other day. He's a huge fan of you guys. He's like, I I thought the band was one singer. Because you guys sound so similar <laughs> when you sing, yeah. especially over the years. Like if you listen to those old old high school demos, were very different. Dan, yeah. was a, you were a lot like nasalier, yeah, and hi- you could sing really high, and yeah. I couldn't. So what, what happened? A, just puberty, man. Yeah, just influenced each other. I think somehow? that's what it is. I, I mean, we just like similar to guitar style as we've been playing together and singing together and playing guitar together like, for so long like that we're kind of morphing into the same yeah, person. Yeah, you, yeah. You start to like look like Well, also when we, we when also both sing harmonies with each other when we're not singing lead. So try to we, match kind of Exactly. Match, yeah. Like we we both grew up like we were in high school we both sang in like the choir and like all that stuff together. So yeah. like and we were always obsessed with like harmonies. One of the reasons why Midtown was one of our favorite bands because their harmonies yeah. were just Great unreal. Harmonies. And so we always knew that harmonies were going to be a big part of the band, which is why we wanted to play guitar and sing because we could sing good harmonies with whoever was singing. That was like our gonna, we that was in, our plan. We were in singing groups in high school together, yeah, um, like okay. in the choirs and stuff. Yeah, so you were um, into singing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And cool. uh, oh, I was just going to say something, and it's gone. No, that's this what happens. happens. Oh no, I remember. People probably don't realize, especially because our voices sound so similar, how crazy the switching between melody and harmony we do like like within a, one chorus you think you're hearing one person singing the melody and one person singing the harmony but really it's like every three words it's like it's just we're just switching back and wow. forth like like every line is one that all person's like, and that's all written like 
like you guys. Yeah, we kind of plan it out like because we do it live. It yeah. would be easier to just not do it that way. Yeah, but I, we do well, it. I don't know why. It's just kind of the formula that we've come across because we 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 wanted it to be a two singer band. Like that's just what Four Year Strong is. So yeah. we never we didn't want it to, you know sway one way or the other we're just like everything's kind of just split down the middle if you start the verse then that like if you start the verse melody then i'm going to start the chorus melody and the harmonies kind of work off of that and it's the same with guitar like if he's singing you know the main melody for a certain part of the song and there's like a crazy lead i'll take the lead and then once i start singing even if it's the same lead it'll just switch back to him yeah mm. like not well not always well, that certain happens songs, in a couple like songs. it must suck and yeah, stuff like yeah, that happens you know like with with songs when you guys write, let's say you're just starting from scratch with a new record or something, like what's your approach with writing? Because you guys are both, it's like I'm talking to the same person. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you guys are like you're, you're not, both singers, always, you're both guitar players. I don't know who's better. You know, you sound the same. So how how do you guys approach that as as writing? Usually we Usually we just with a riff. Yeah, we just sit down and we just start riffing together and yeah. and just trying to come up with ideas. We usually come up with like a, a nice little plethora of riff ideas and and then that's where we kind of get the idea of where we want to go do you guys have similar styles like uh or is one guy seemingly more of a heavy guy one guy more into the melodic stuff well it's actually really weird because a lot of times if one of us likes like finds a new artist that they like it's the other person is gonna like it like we have very similar cool like yeah Taste in what yeah, you, know, you think is good. I don't know yeah, why. I, guess, I mean, right? just because we've been joined to the hip for so long or yeah. whatever it is. But um, I'd say, I think I would probably say. I'm really glad I interviewed in the, both of you guys together, by the way. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, if I did it separate, because sometimes I do it separate, I'd be like, okay, I have, like, you'd probably two get episodes of the fucking same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get the exact same stories from yeah, both like, of us. This is very cool. But no, yeah, I would sorry, say I if we had to pick, like, between the two of us, like, in the writing process, I'd say I'm like, and maybe you feel the same way I do just because, but the opposite. But like, I feel like Dan knows more, not knows more, but is a lot more conscious of making sure it's like, it's a four year strong song where I'm the one that's like, "Ah, we can just a little more experimental. Yeah. A little bit more experimental, maybe. But really, not even that much. But that's a great dynamic to have. Yeah. Because if you were both just, we need to write four year strong, then you're never going to evolve. And if you're both like, let's be crazy, then next thing you know, you're writing a Radiohead record. Right. Right. You know? yep. Which would so be so it really fun. does. That would be that, awesome. God. We also have these conversations all the time where, like, I just want to write this kind of record one time. Yeah. But well, it won't be with this band. Yeah. It'll be some other time. <laughs> yeah. Because we've learned that. We put out a record that. Um, I wouldn't say 100% well definitely not 100% by choice it was a lot of it was us and influenced by like the label at the time and managers producer and, and produced oh yeah the producer who produced we, uh, yeah. yeah yeah we put out a record that can I tell you a quick bit, David Ben oh I would love I would love it, it. if okay. we can get deep into that though. yeah because <laughs> I got I don't know if I can say this on the record I don't know but but Dan gave me a thumbs down when I said to David Bendit <laughs> um, just this is not a video interview so yep. but yeah so my my favorite David Bennett story so he was supposed to do our second record which is like you know our, mm-hmm. our big record yep. well let me and, interrupt there if yep. David Bendit is hearing this and doesn't know that we gave a thumbs down <laughs> Right. You're out of your freaking mind, dude. <laughs> right. 
Well, my, this is my favorite David Bennett story. So he's from New Jersey. He's Canadian, actually. Yep. Which is part of why we were going to make a record with but him. But he randomly has British accents. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so we um, we were playing at the Starland Ballroom. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who was playing. And he's there side stage right before we're going to go on. And he's talking about this amazing rock we're going to make. And he's, he's a very, like, intense, yeah. like, loud, extroverted kind of guy. Yes. So he's there because okay. he was an A and R guy for like sixteen years. So he's a schmoozer, right? It's that kind of thing. Yeah. So we get on stage, we play, and Josh, our guitar player, breaks a string. So he, you know, does what everyone does when you break a string: you hand your guitar to the guitar tech. Yep. Guitar tech gives you another guitar. Well, you're playing your backup guitar, puts the other string back on the other guitar, so you yep. can get your main guitar back. Yeah. Right. It's what you do. Yep. So Kevin, our guitar tech, does it, does it. He's and he's putting the guitar. <laughs> String on It's just like a fucking A string Broke at the bridge like, Yeah, like, yeah. No, Nothing he ha- can't Classic handle. story Yeah So he's putting the Like the string on And David Bendit I don't know if he's trying to Like impress us Or what But he Like pushed the guitar tech Out of the way He's like What are you doing You're doing this wrong So our guitar tech's like Okay man Whatever Like he knows Like this is supposed yeah. to be Our producer The record didn't It didn't happen by the way We worked with a different guy But Good for you We Maybe it maybe it was the best thing we ever did, uh, and he and he comes so he, he takes the and the guitar players are gonna love this. Other people might not understand, but so David Bendis strings the guitar, and Kevin's like, "All right, sure." Doesn't really check, just like okay, the guitar's on there. It's to tension. It's in tune, or whatever. Hands it to Josh, and he put the string on like the wrong way around the post nice oh, so yeah. when you tune it like you it have goes, to tune it the wrong way yep instead of like cl- uh, counterclockwise like clockwise yeah that's the that was when I was like maybe we shouldn't have this guy <laughs> like you that know, directing like, which way our career should go yeah. on our second spot album spot on yeah yeah I, I, I mean the stories that I hear from other bands about him and definitely was part of our experience is like his Mo is he creates turmoil within the band, yeah, so that he can be the savior that brings it back together. Interesting, which is similar to kind of what he was just doing with your band. He like right maybe wanted to like throw himself into the mix to be the guy like that saves yeah, that, that could change. Like no one else here could change a string right. So I mean, there I'm were there were, there were numerous right. times where he was trying to turn Alan and I against each other, like on the sly, like he like. He would try. He would tell me all the time. He'd be like, "Hey, Alan's in the room. Can you just retrack this part that he did?" I'm like, "No." That and he told wow. he told Joe that I'm the worst guitar player he's ever heard, and I shouldn't be playing guitar in a band. I heard story about about Bendith like guitar players playing and and Bendith standing there with the drumstick, hitting them on the hands every time they fuck up. Oh, he didn't do that to us. I heard about Paramore. Uh, I forget what record they made together, but right, they came in and he like. He like took the drummer's toms away, and he's like, he's like, you can get toms when you like learn how to like, you know, play properly or something. Which is crazy like that. because he is a great drummer. Oh, yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah, he's he's back in the band. I just yeah. saw him, yeah. saw him ripping it the other, the other week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing, I guess. And he's made like let's let's not like totally shoot him down. He's made yeah. some great great he records. Yeah. Whether it was him or the band or whatever, it's besides the point. But, um. You know, that was a big misstep, I guess, in your career, if I oh, could be yeah. you know, yeah. honest with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And you guys are, you know, have recovered nicely with yeah. some of the stuff you've done since. But I don't know how. I guess that's 
I guess that that for you was is probably I mean your biggest regret I guess as a band. Yeah, I think. But I also think that if we hadn't, I mean, I feel like the way that things were going within the band, within the management, within like label, something it would have gone poorly. It would have gone poorly. I think because, like I said, like things were not great interband wise at that point anyway because we we hadn't been apart from each other for any length of time in years and years and years and we were on each other's nerves our heads weren't in the same space of where the band should go what was all that and I think it was a combination of if we had chosen the right producer that like for instance we've worked with Machine uh, yeah. numerous times if we had gone with someone like Machine who Machine the best part about Machine is that he makes you feel awesome about the band that you are and he has the type brain who can be like this like when you play something be like that's four years strong you're good that's it you know what I mean or you know oh maybe we can get it we didn't have anybody like that we had somebody who heard our band and was like everything that your band is 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 bad and we were just we were just in the mind space of being like I can't make any more decisions because my brain is just mush I'm just going to trust you and management and label that we're all going to be like that we're going to come out on the other side of this on the right side and we I think we all did that and well for instance we showed up the first day to record with uh, a bunch of demos like like you do like probably 20 or so songs uh, not all finished per se but yeah, you course. know like yeah. when you start a record and he said start over scrapped them all what scrapped do you mean every single one of them not one of them. Did those songs them. end up coming out? In some no. Way no. no. Where are they now? They're just... Oh, they're long buried. Yeah. You've never tried to revisit them the maybe only as being one good ideas? That like, has, the only one that um, was resurrected as a completely different song, really, but just like kind of the chord changes and the yeah. melodies and stuff, uh, is Go Down in History, which is on our EP called Go Down in History. And, and our it's also newest. on the newest self-titled. But it was a completely different song. I Like... I understand why at the time he told us to start over because I don't know. I guess I would say the record, if we went with those demos, it would have sounded like the Killers or something. Yeah, it, would have, it would have been weird. <laughs> it would have oh, been weird. weird. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah. we, I think we were. I think similar to what I was saying before, we were kind of all sick of each other. We were sick of even being sick of being the band that we were. Like we hated being stuck in that bubble. Like we just. We right. felt like we closed ourselves into this square. And it is and, really small one. And with either our fans or ourselves or our management, we all just felt like if we took a step outside the square, everybody would be like, nope, you got to push it right back in. So we, for some reason, just were like, all right, we're doing everything out of the square. And uh, and I think we went in with that mentality going in there and kind of kept that mentality. And I don't know if it was like, like a weird self-destructive like brain cell like going off or whatever but mm-hmm. I don't know we just it was a weird time a lot of crazy things going on yeah, that's all at why once I can't fully I can't actually blame the failure of that record on anyone else because I think no matter what like Dan was saying before it would have kind of gone that way yeah. if we had made the record that were on those demos that we yeah. had it also would have been very different Yeah, yeah. but the producer we ended up working with didn't see us as going like on the softer route he wanted to be like a rock radio band like he had this vision for what we could be and i think that's the problem that's uh 
And it's I think, like the worst thing a producer could do. I think is, we were also like have this vision of what the band should be instead yeah. of what they are. We, I think the point is right. to try and like take the band yeah, and, and emphasize them their, what they them are. Their best, make them their best. Yeah, whatever their potential yeah. is. Yeah, and I think that, we were we were to make it we, up. Were, we were right on the edge of adolescence and adulthood. Yeah, like ah, we right. were right there. So how and old were you guys at that time? So at that I time. Was, you were I think I was like 20 so I'm 30 right now yep. <laughs> and it's 2018 it was, and that was 2011 so 7 years before so that 7 so, years ago so yeah, yeah I was 23 you were 23 yeah. I was probably 26 yeah it, it is and that is a weird kind of a weird time in your and life and I, I think that's what it was I think you know damn you guys were pretty young when you made those first two records yeah know? so w- when we when we were in there I think you know we hadn't figured out how to be in a band as an adult and I think yeah. that was what we were struggling with is you know, our home lives were very much going more the adult route. Like, I was, I, I wanted to go home and get married. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all that stuff was coming up. Like, marriage and buying houses and things like that was, was starting to come up. But, like, everything with the band still felt very, like, like, not adult. Like, we just couldn't grow up in the band world. And I think that just... the me- Kind of back to the conversation we had earlier about, yep. like bands that don't want to play old songs because they're past that point in their lives yes. like unfortunately that's kind of how we felt at the time we, we were didn't like, know we how we didn't know how music. to write like pop punk that kind of music and being, be adults and be adults like i was like i don't know how i'm gonna write lyrics because no one wants to hear about me being like yeah everything's pretty good like <laughs> my home life, like, you know what I mean? Cool, I mean yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I, I hadn't so figured out like. how to be like. I don't know how to write something that people are going to relate to. At this point, we just we we're just kind of having like, I mean, obviously not a midlife crisis, but like kind of that Quarter same idea. Well, sort of in a band sense, it yeah, sort of makes sense. Yeah, you know. And it's funny you say that because I'd say with Silverstein, it was our third record too. That's our, our, you know catastrophe if we mm-hmm. had one our third record we worked with Mark Trombino mm-hmm. big time producer yep. that, that's also has when kind of a bad yeah. reputation yeah. and um, we had a horrible t- horrible experience it's yep. our worst record it just isn't yeah. it just is our worst record and, and luckily I think- we did almost luckily we didn't try to change our sound and he didn't try to change our sound so it's still like the sort of the same trajectory right but uh, yeah but it's like we just we made two records that were both pretty good and it's like okay, now what? You feel yeah. some pressure to do something different, right. and and almost you almost have to because you can't make the same record over and over. Well, again. what's right. funny about that record is that record is you know a lot of our fans can like most of our fans consider it our worst record. There are like random people who like yeah. say like oh it's my yeah. favorite record and which is cool. I'd say more now than obviously back then. It was like a big big thing. But uh, damn it, where'd my thought go? Um, it, it was, it, no, it's gone. The thought's gone. <laughs> I had a really good thing to say, and they it's just gone. Go. I'll it's bring gone. it back some other time. We'll, we'll think about it. We'll yeah, think about it. Um, well, dude, we're we're almost at an hour mark. This has been a, like an awesome conversation. I'm enjoying. Cool. It. I hope you guys are too. Yeah. Um, one thing about your band too is how you guys have a lot of diversity within your music, and you kind of have your own sound. And I feel like you've always fit in. You've what did I write here? You've kind of fit everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> I agree. Right? Yeah. And you've done yeah. tours, like the last tour I saw you guys on was co-headlining with Less Than Jake. Yeah. The fucking ska band. Yeah. yeah. I also remember back in the day with, what was it, like Half Heart and uh, Bane. 
Yeah, we've done uh, things, you know. We've done, yeah, tons and, of crazy stuff. And, and how, how does that feel? And it's like also weird because you guys were on major labels, you're on independent labels. Like, yeah. You really are living in a strange place wearing a lot of different hats. Do you guys think about that? Do you not worry about I it? I mean, we do. We, we actually feel like we thrive more on those like Weirder intensely places. mixed bills. Yeah. And, and we, we definitely kind of push our sets uh, like song wise like in different directions like depending if we're on a heavier on, tour we're like depending on what it is yeah. yeah you know on a heavier tour depending on what kind of tour it is sometimes we'll play our heavier songs sometimes we'll throw some of the poppier ones in there Just and like stand out and like but then also on like popular tours or like a Scott tour like I'll oh, put the heavy songs in we, there yeah, like let's be the heavy band on the tour like embrace the heavy band put all the, the, the horn yeah. songs in yeah, the, all the horn yeah. songs. Yeah, I thought you said porn songs. <laughs> all, the, all the horn songs. It's like I have not heard that side of your band. I mean, it's cool doing tours with, um, you know, bands like Less Than Jake. Uh, that tour was was really interesting because both bands were like, we don't know if this is going to work, but we're willing to give it a shot because like our some of our fans are getting a little older. Obviously, their fans are getting like they have some older fans. They've been a band for fucking ever. Yes, and and you know we were definitely like I don't know if it's going to work, but. You know, on this tour specifically, on Warp Tour, I have a lot of people come to the table like, I saw you on that Lesson Jake tour. I never heard you before. I'm cool. a big fan now. And I'm like, nice. That's cool. And yeah, it's one of those things. We, we call those the like, um, it's like the, it's not great now, but it's great later kind right. of a tour where you play that. it and it's probably not going to go all that well and it's going to feel like a bad show. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, we did a tour with Rise Against and Bad Religion. Huge yeah. tour. Yeah. And it, we were the one of three on that tour. And at the time, it was kind of rough because everyone's there to see Rise Against and Bad Religion. No one knows who we are. So they're not going to, like, go off and, like... So it doesn't feel like a good show. You're yes. playing in front of a lot of people, but First at the time... First tough, too. Yeah. And at the time, we were used to, like, before that, we were headlining pretty good-sized tours for the size of our band. And, yeah. And... It would be great shows. So switching to opener on a tour where everyone's just kind of standing there staring at you yeah. is like felt bad, but one hundred percent the best tour was really good. For we've ever yeah, done it was it was great for us long term. That's the kind of tour where every time that fan, that that person that became a fan of that show comes to our show, yep. they're wearing the T-shirt from that tour. There you go. Yeah, no matter what, that you happened see it. with us opening for Simple Plan. Yeah, nice. that was that's a big awesome. one for us in Europe. Yeah, um, you guys. I mean, that's a punk tour. You guys, you guys are kind of a punk band. Like, yeah. you guys also don't like. You guys don't use in ears. No. no, you don't play to a click track. No, which is sort of as you can tell if you see us live. <laughs> yeah, right. you, you well, can yes, you I've noticed. T- yeah, I've noticed fast. things. We things like tend to, play to fast. get the pocket moves around a yeah. little bit. <laughs> but it's kind of strange for you guys, like for a band of you know with the major label ties with the success. Yep. I'm surprised you guys haven't went down that road. We did once. Yeah. Actually, on that Rise Against tour. and We kind of had to because there were no the monitors on the tour. tour. Before that, it was the AT. <laughs> didn't have monitors on the tour? No. This, the, it was so a huge. Yeah, we, there were no wedges. Yeah, were, it, Everyone was on ears, so we were like, I guess we're getting ears. He still uses wedges sometimes, or have to, and they have them. Yeah, he did. He did have, he, he might, yeah, I don't, yeah like, I don't know what it was, but there we had nothing. It was it was all amphitheaters and stuff on that tour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was a couple like bigger rooms, but it was all amphitheaters too. But yeah, so one headlining tour and that one opening tour, we did ears and click. And you went back. And we went back. That's yep. very rare. Yeah. I can't even imagine going back now because I um, I don't know. I just like it, it sucks at first. Like the worst 
I think the worst I've ever felt on stage was the first time I used in-ears. Yeah. I felt like I was just underwater or something. It was awful. But now I'm like, oh, my God, I can just hear everything so much better. Yeah. yeah. Well, I th- think about it a lot more now. On a, bad monitor adult. days. Yeah. yeah. On bad wedge days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, like being, having, that warp, con- having that constant would be great. But actually, Warp Tour is the reason we stopped doing in-ears. Not because we had a bad experience with ears, but because... We were like, ah, like the next tour we did was Warped, and we were like, ah, they like have the digital consoles, they save the monitor mixes, it's the same monitors every day, it's the same monitor guy every day, True. like we can count on it, let's just not bring our in-ear rig. Also, because we see people have problems with them, with oh, like yeah, frequency, yeah. wireless frequencies, Everybody and all kinds it, of yeah. stuff, so we we're just like, ah, for this tour, we'll just do it, and we just never went back. It just, I mean, there's something Thanks about warped. it, there's something about it where like, when when we had in years in like everything was good playing wise like it was probably the tightest we've ever played it was probably you yeah. know oh, yeah. the most obviously in the pocket because we're all playing because we all had click sure uh, wasn't yeah. this the and drummer drummer knows, and you know, know we probably were for a fan probably the fucking best they've ever seen us <laughs> but I don't know just uh, like energy wise like for me I always had a hard time really like yeah. throwing myself into the show and and even even still like I don't know what it is I just I need it to be loud and just offensive on stage <laughs> and for me to get into it. Like, I'm still, like, one of the only guys in the band. Like, I don't even wear earplugs. Like, I just right go to town. And, and I always had trouble singing with, with in-ears because when I actually, when I still do it with wedges, I don't have a lot of my own vocal in the wedge because I found, like, if I could hear myself, I don't sing... Like I don't sing. Kind of? I don't sing correctly from my diaphragm enough, oh. and I, I lose my voice yeah. more when I can hear myself better, in a weird way. Um, okay. And I don't know what it is, but when I when I'm kind of trying to sing over the music, that's when my voice is the most consistent. Right. And uh, yeah, and I know that's a very freak, weird thing to say, but this You're is the way it's always been. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for the time and everything. I feel yeah. like I'm been commandeering your bus for like an hour but, uh, uh, last question with the Christmas tree farm and everything mm-hmm. you guys have done some cover albums in the past could we expect a four year strong Christmas album at any point I would we did that. a Christmas cover we did one Christmas did. song but yeah. it actually was just uh, me and Dan that did yeah, it for it was, fun one yeah, day yeah it was like an ac- acoustic um, weird thing I it was like an acoustic kind consider, of a thing you could sell the CDs the yeah. only at thing, the Christmas tree farm the only reason we've always always been on the fence about it is because I love Christmas so much that I don't want to go and ruin every one of my favorite songs <laughs> <laughs> by putting a breakdown in the middle of it they, they say you know like career wise and I'm um, good friends with the August Burns Red guys who yeah. j- jump on tomorrow and if you know them some of my best friends they made a Christmas album a few years back and they're like Smartest thing we ever did. Really, we put it out every year. It gets every popular. Year, yeah, yeah. Every year, people yeah. check well, that's it out. Why th- every people, people buy the vinyl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christmas hit is like right. the dream. Like, Dude, if Mariah, you're Mariah Carey. Carey oh yeah. Like you have a number one once a year, every year. Right, but from a business perspective too, it, like those songs are old and they, they you don't have to pay you know publishing right, yeah. on them. They're just you, yeah, they're like songs. Public and domain. you don't have, you don't have to like. Support the record for two years. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, just so, a month. Yeah, just a month yeah. every year. When okay, when Four Year Strong does it, uh, well, you won't have time this year. Next Christmas, <laughs> just shout out to me for making. Yeah, that. All right. yeah. Being the thank liner you, notes. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. So there it is with Dan and Alan of Four Year Strong. Basically, the same dude. I'm very happy. 
I was finally able to do this, and we were able to get together in one room, the three of us. It was a lot of fun. Really, really fun. The very awkward devil's penis that I had to stare at was, I don't know about fun, Check out the Lead Singer Syndrome Instagram. You Yes, I took a picture of it so you can see exactly what I was up against. Yes, and go follow us too. Lead Singer Syndrome. Yes, Lead Singer Syndrome on Instagram, at Lead Singer Syn, S-Y-N, on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. I'm at Shane Told if you want to follow me as well. And of course... Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the subscribe button. I don't want you missing next week's episode. We got another all-new episode with an amazing guest. It will be out next week. So, yeah, subscribe. Don't want you to miss it. And, again, if you want to get in touch, if you want to give me more suggestions for the show, hit me up, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. And, hey, if you like the show, feel free to write a review on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell a loved one. Let's keep this thing going. Let's keep this thing growing. All right. I will leave you with a tune. And there's a lot of great ones. There's a lot of great songs. But if this is your first time for some reason hearing For Your Strong, this is a great place to start. Here is a banger. Wasting time on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. I'll see you next week. Wait.